Hi everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our 10th episode of the Dental Download Podcast. That is so exciting. I want to thank you all for your support. We've been growing so much in these past couple weeks and I couldn't do it without all of you. So this week's episode is an interview with Dr. Emily Varsanik. She's a 2008 graduate of the University of Michigan School of Dentistry and she sheds a lot of light on what it's like owning a dental practice. We cover her work-life balance, integrating technology into a dental practice, practice management, advice for managing finances after dental school, really all those things that I think a lot of us are always wondering about and we might not have the mentor to go to to ask those kinds of questions. So I think this episode is going to be really helpful for anyone that's considering having their own practice one day. And as you may know, I typically record these guest interviews many weeks before they get posted, but I always do my intros fairly real time, like it's Sunday night and this episode's going up tomorrow morning. So I wanted to use this episode's intro a little differently. I want this to be a call to action to further educate yourself on the injustices in our country and in our country's history and to diversify the media that you take in. So there is just so much that can be learned from others' perspectives and experiences. And as healthcare professionals or as future providers for some of us, we're making a promise to serve all patients to the best of our ability and training. So that means that you need to be taking steps to further educate yourself beyond what you're experiencing in school, beyond um, what you may have learned growing up. You really need to take those extra steps to deepen your understanding and your empathy that you can be giving to people so that you can understand experiences that may be different from the ones that you have had. That way we're able to provide quality care and equal care to all of our patients because every patient is going to be different and it's really up to us to take those extra steps beyond the classroom, beyond what you're learning in a traditional setting and use your free time to educate yourself more and become more open-minded and again, just well-educated. So some suggestions that I have that can make an impact is having productive conversations working on changing your mindset, changing the people around you's mindsets, and calling out microaggressions and racism and implicit bias when you see it in your communities. Those are all steps that are going to make a big difference. Like I said, continue consider taking classes in undergrad that might open your mind a little bit. I know for me, my HPS, History and Philosophy of Science classes um, that I've had about racism in medicine, things like that in college that I was so lucky to have the opportunity to take. I know not everyone does, but that might be something outside of your degree program that your university offers that's really going to impact your education and the way you see the world. And then also volunteering in underserved communities near you can make a big difference. I know a lot of states have the Mission of Mercy, but there's also many dental clinics in your area and needy populations that you can get involved in and honestly just encouraging but also supporting so being active with it encouraging and supporting diversity in dentistry and overall in healthcare. that's something so so important and I hope from this little three minutes that you guys have listened to I've motivated you a little bit to go out and to research more to learn more to grow as an individual I'm going to leave some really great podcasts videos books and then also content creators um, in the description of this podcast that you can listen to engage with and learn from and with all of that said we're going to get into the episode with dr emily if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet plush care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey if you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. All right. Hi, everyone. So we have a guest today. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Haley, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Dr. Emily Varsanik. I am a general dentist, uh, private practice owner in Davison, Michigan. I'm a 2007 graduate of the University of Michigan School of Dentistry, um, and I'm very happy to be here today. Awesome. So, so you've been practicing since 2007, you said, and then when did you purchase your practice that you have now? Yep. So yeah, I graduated in 2007. Um, I worked as an associate in a group practice for a few months right upon graduation. Um, Wasn't a great fit for me, but can be a very good fit for some people. I went into an associateship for a few years after that for about two years or so. Um, And that was, you know, 10 years ago when the housing market and things started to decline. So that position was no longer really going to be... a good one. You know, we weren't busy enough to support two doctors any longer in that practice. And so I was kind of faced with a decision of either trying to piece together a full-time job from a number of different practices or to to find a practice to buy. And so luckily um, I found a very good practice or a very good opportunity, I should say, in Davison. Um, And I just kind of took the plunge that I was going to buy the practice. So that was only about Mm, two and a half years or so after graduating, it definitely never crossed my mind that I would be a practice owner that soon. I always thought that it would be something I would consider one day, but I assumed maybe, you know, five or seven years out of school or even going from a position of being an associate, transitioning into to purchasing the practice where I was working. Um, but, you know, sometimes things just kind of happen and you have to take the opportunity when it presents itself. And, um, although it's, you know, been a challenge and there's been a lot to learn over the years, it, it was a great opportunity. So I'm, ha- I'm happy I took it, even though, you know, it was at a time where maybe I didn't feel quite prepared at the moment. Um, I'm definitely glad that I, uh, I took that opportunity and I took that chance. While we're talking about that, then can you talk a little bit about the process of starting up that practice? So like finding patients, hiring staff, like the location being right for you? Sure. So for me personally, because I purchased an existing practice, um, I didn't have to build it from the ground up, which was really good. I mean, in some situations, you know, it might be more advantageous to to do the studies, to work with some advisors who can look for an area maybe that's underserved or in need of a dentist and build your own practice, start it from the ground up. I've had some colleagues who have done that, especially in specialties. Um, it does take a lot of work. So for me, I already had an established practice there, which was great. Um, you know, it has grown substantially in the years since I purchased it. And so a lot of marketing goes into that, a lot of working with very good advisors and trying to determine, you know, how to find new patients, especially the type that you want in your practice. As far as the staff, I kept everybody that was with the practice when I purchased it. Um, I have a wonderful team. It's changed some over the years. You know, people have moved, people have retired, we've grown. And so we've added some staff members. Um, you know, and as far as adding team members, sometimes it's been a patient that we've known that would fit well into the practice um, in situations of assistance. You know, I've had a couple who were in school who came in and did an externship or um, an external rotation with me who did such a great job that, you know, we knew we were growing. And so we offered a full-time position to them. Um, for hygienists, a lot of times, you know, when I was adding a position, it was somebody who had come in and had subbed in the office and had gotten along really well with the team. And so we knew it was a good fit. Um, and so 
you know, a lot of the additions to the team have been done really rather organically, which is, um, which is really good. You know, if you're looking or considering buying a practice, there's a lot of really good ways that you can go about it. Obviously the Michigan Dental Association has job boards and, and, you know, different practices for sale. Um, you can contact dental reps. Um, so like Henry Schein and Patterson and some of the larger um, companies that service the dental practices, a lot of times those representatives will call on a particular region. And so you can reach out to them and see if they know of any practices that, you know, may be looking to add staff or a doctor who may be getting ready to sell. Um, and, you know, there's always going to be different, I don't want to say advertisements because it's not like a typical advertisement, but you'll see listings and things in different types of journals as well if that's, you know, kind of the way you're going and thinking about purchasing a practice. And since it's been like a little over 10 years now that you've had the practice, have you Mm -hmm. been implementing like any new technology or have you been pretty much sticking with what was there beforehand? Yeah. So, you know, that's something that, um, for anybody who's new or even many years into the dental journey, like I am, we're lucky because we're in a profession that's constantly evolving. And so, you know, we see so many wonderful new technologies that come out that can be both good and bad. You know, you have to vet them. You have to understand them. You have to know how they're going to work into your particular practice. And so I don't buy every new technology, but you know, now, you know, 10 years ago when I bought the practice, or I'd say even 13 years ago when I first started, you know, digital radiography was something that wasn't really as standardized in a lot of practices. And now we see that that's all digital. You know, we're starting to see the three-dimensional imaging, you know, with comb beam community tomography. Um, I don't have that in my office, but I love seeing those reports from, you know, from specialists. It would be great to have that. It just doesn't fit quite into my practice, you know, but we really have embraced the digital impression systems. And so um, over the last couple of years, my team and I have been working with that. That too is constantly evolving to broaden the applications as far as what we can do. And so, um, yeah, you know, I kind of pick and choose. I have to invest wisely, you know, because when you're a practice owner, the money has to come from somewhere to pay for these things. And so, you know, it's not something that you can just offset to a patient when you want to implement a new technology. Um, So we had to find things that really fit within our office. And we found that the, you know, the digital impressioning has been great. Um, A goal would probably be in the next few years, we really want to expand how we're utilizing that. Um, but no, it, you know, it's, it's great. And that's how I try to go about, um, finding new technologies and different things that are going to work within our practice. Awesome. Um, so kind of following along on that topic about practice owning and getting started, do you have any advice for a young dental student or someone that just graduated dental school when it comes to researching practice ownership and like not making as many mistakes as possible? Gosh, that is, you know, it's so hard because you get some education about practice management when you're in school, but you're so focused on the clinical aspects of what you're learning that it can either seem very overwhelming or you just, it doesn't seem applicable. Um, you know, trying to learn a lot of the ins and outs of the business part is hard because the dental schools operate in a very different manner than you will in private practice as well. So one of the things I would definitely say is try to find a mentor, whether it's an upperclassman, um, people who are lucky enough to have family members in dentistry, that's great. But go outside of that as well. So you get to see different ways that different practices are managed and run. I would encourage you to try to talk to people who come from both the private sector, um, maybe some of the larger group practices, anybody who works in um, community health. You know, there's a lot of different things you can learn there. Find yourself really good advisors. I'd say one of the things you want to do upon graduating 
try to find a good financial or a business advisor. Um, they'll really help you as far as managing any debt that you're going to come out of school with because it's inevitable. We're all going to have debt. And then if you're looking into becoming a practice owner, you're going to take on more debt. So managing that's important. Um, you know, if you're working as an associate initially, maybe not finding a dental specific CPA is important right at that moment. But that's something as you get into ownership or even, you know, buying into a practice, you really want to find a good dental CPA firm who understands your business and can help you understand the things that you don't know. Um, you know, there's always good blogs. TED Talks are a huge thing that you can find really great talks on leadership, not dental specific, but just leadership in general and how to um, not necessarily even manage a team, but how to get them to grow and follow you in as far as what your goals are and what you want to achieve. Um, so I would just really say, you know, do a lot of reading, listen to blogs, listen to podcasts, surround yourself with people who know more than you, and don't be afraid to ask questions about what you don't know. Um, it's really the only way you're going to learn. You're going to make mistakes. That's important from learning. You just want to try to not make any huge mistakes that are going to potentially derail, you know, your future or your business. If you're looking at it from a, a practice ownership standpoint. Got it. And you mentioned finding good financial advisors. Do you recommend people look to like their local dental associations to get recommendations or like friends that are dentists or can you just like a simple Google, like what's a good way to find someone that clicks with you? Um, you know, Google can obviously be an option, but I definitely would recommend that you reach out to people who are already working with somebody who maybe can make a personal recommendation. Um, the dental associations are always a great way to go to. They do have approved vendors, which are great, but you can find a lot of people outside the list of what they're able to recommend to you. Um, you know, the one that I work with, I've worked with for the past few years and he's phenomenal. And it just kind of came down through another colleague who said, you know, you really need to meet with this person. And you're going to find those needs are going to change as you're going through your dental journey. You know, earlier on, what you need isn't going to be the same five years out or seven years out or when you become a practice owner. Um, and I think being able to even explain that to whoever you're working with is great. You know, when I first started, before I had really gotten to the point where I needed to start managing, you know, retirement investments and things of that nature, I worked with just kind of a local Edward Jones guy who was great. And I don't get paid by Edward Jones to say that, but, you know, it was great. As things grew, I knew my needs changed and it was totally okay. I had to make a move to a different type of advisor and people, and that's fine. Um, I've had some friends, you know, who maybe will have worked with someone they know, and then they feel bad or guilty about severing that relationship. And you have to just remember at that point, let's say you know somebody who can help you get started, that's great. But if you outgrow them at any point, you have to know what's going to be best for your business and your future. And you have to be okay to part ways with that. That's one of the harder parts about you know ownership in general is that sometimes you have to make those tough decisions you know, and hopefully that you can mend any type of relationship that, you know, goes down a bumpy road as a result of it. So, you know, family and friends can be great, but just be wary of that. And sticking on the topic of like finances, dental school is obviously very expensive and it's getting more expensive every year. Mm -hmm. So a lot of students are nervous entering dental school or graduating about like paying back their loans and finding a job and stuff like that. Do you have any advice for like budgeting or just like setting financial goals as you're going out of school? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the hardest thing, and I, I found this initially too, is after eight years or maybe more than eight years, depending if this is a second career, you know, additional degrees, 
But for my situation, after being in school for eight years, I was ready to finally, you know, buy a home and, and do some of these things that I'd seen my friends doing for many years before me. My very best piece of advice would be to live below your means. And I don't mean, you know, putting a hundred dollars aside a month, pay yourself first, um, you know, know your budget. So really just work. It can be something as simple as an Excel spreadsheet. That's what I use all the time. Know what your income is, know what your obligations are and your debts, set realistic expectations of what you can spend um, and save. And just know that as you keep working, you know, you're not, your, your income's not going to be constant. It's going to improve. It's going to increase as different things change for you. And, you know, as you continue, you know, even as an associate to get faster, to be able to do more procedures as a business owner, you know, one of the harder things is when I did purchase my practice, I kind of took a little step back as far as where, um, or what my take-home pay was because I wanted to get my business in a position to be financially stable. And so sometimes you have to look at those things and know, where you can kind of cut and where you may have to sacrifice a little bit um, in order to kind of reach some of those goals as well. And so, you know, I would just say, set yourself a budget right from the start when you're in school, get an idea of what you think your anticipated total loan debt's going to be when you're done. Um, You know, it's not too early even in school to talk to an advisor about how to manage, you know, interest in different things, or if you're working in the summer, you know, how you might be able to use some of those finances to help your position. Um, but yeah, just simply, I would say, just live below your means and save. And as soon as you, you know, start to have a steady income, definitely sit down with an advisor who can help you um, kind of navigate those more difficult decisions and look at debt repayment and all of those things. It'll be tremendously helpful. Great. And so transitioning into like a little bit of a different topic, can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about like dentistry? So how do you think dentistry fits into like your overall life goals? I know it kind of goes along with financing and everything, but so like your work-life balance, stuff you do outside of work, how does dentistry work for you? Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's really nice. Um, as a private practice, we see patients four days a week. Um, it does, you know, allow some freedom with balance, work-life balance, which is wonderful. I do work, Um, a couple Fridays a month in a kind of a satellite operation with one of my friends, which is great and something that we're both specifically interested in that's kind of different than what we do in our our daily practice and in our private practices. So that's fun to have that opportunity to do that. Um, You know, it's going to vary a little bit. As a business owner, you're going to have a little bit more responsibility. So even though you might be seeing patients four days a week, there's always going to be management things. There's going to be administrative things. You know, you always have that little worry in the back of your mind, which kind of comes with the territory of, of owning a business. Um, for me personally, you know, I'm the only doctor there. And so vacations can sometimes be a little bit tough. You know, you, we just have to plan them because I don't have somebody there to cover for me or to kind of keep production going while I'm away. And so, you know, it just takes some planning, but from a, you know, a self-satisfaction or a life satisfaction standpoint, yeah, it's, it's been a great profession. You know, we're, we're facing some significant challenges right now, um, you know, over the next several months to year, I think, you know, we'll see some changes, but I definitely see it evening out, um, you know, and hopefully five, 10 years from now, we'll look back at this and say, oh my gosh, you know, we thought that was such a catastrophic time, but look at all these great things that have come from it. So, you know, I think it's just one of those things that dentistry is always going to thrive. Um, and so despite this now, from my standpoint, looking ahead, you know, lifelong, I don't see it it changing a lot as far as, you know, the balance in my life. It's, it's been pretty darn good. 
Great. That makes me happy. Yeah, I definitely things the next year or so might be a little shaky, but I'm sure long-term it's going to stay good mm-hmm. and satisfying and everything. So um, can you tell me a little bit about why you chose dentistry in the first place, why you wanted to go to dental school? Sure. So, you know, I actually like probably many people who end up in dental school, I was indecisive about dental or medicine for the longest time. Um, I always loved the sciences and I knew I wanted to do something health related. When I was in high school, I had the opportunity to work for my family dentist. He would, you know, sometimes ask one of the high school students to come in and just kind of do some administrative tasks. And I showed enough of an interest in it that he then kind of taught me how to be a chairside assistant. And so I just loved it at that point. Um, I've always been more of a creative kind of person. I, I like drawing. I play the piano. I like working with my hands. And so the more I got into it, the more I realized, you know, I, I really wanted to do that. I, as much as I enjoy solving problems, you know, and from that standpoint with medicine, um, I really loved working with my hands and creating. And so my job get, lets me do that every day, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, the other thing that I really liked once I obviously was in dental school and even more so now that I'm practicing and have been for many years it really allows you the opportunity to do what you really love about dentistry. So, you know, you're, you're taught how to do everything, but I personally, I don't love surgery. I don't do a lot of root canals just because the time it takes and the precision and, you know, how good our specialists are, that's what they're there for. I like to utilize them for that. So it allows me to really focus on more of the rehabilitative things, um, working with young kids on growth and development, you know, doing some of those things where I feel like I can really hone my skills and get better at that and let other people take care of the parts that maybe I'm not as passionate about. And so, you know, I love that about dentistry, having the opportunity, you know, to do those things is, is really great. Yeah. That's what I always tell people is like my number one thing is like, it's so flexible as a general dentist, like you can fit Mm -hmm. into like whatever really is like best and like most enjoyable for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So you kind of touched on them. What would be like some of your favorite things about dentistry? What would you say is the biggest challenge? Managing expectations. Um, And I could say this could be my own expectations my staff's expectations or my team and patients. Um, You know, I think one of the hardest things, especially as a practice owner, is that you take on so many roles. And most of us that that go into this profession, we have a certain level of type A personality and probably an underlying perfectionism within us. And I think that's one of the hardest, hardest things is just to manage, you know, my expectations of, of, the type of work I do, you know, it might be, I set the bar pretty high and some days I just can't achieve that. And I have to know that my best that day is the best that I can give. Um, same thing with, with patients and, and with staff. And I think, you know, part of that becomes clear communication. I think inherently we all tend to avoid what we feel as confrontation a lot of times. And so I think in some situations for me personally, when I could just be directly speaking to a team member or a patient to kind of manage and find out what expectation was left unmet, it seems a little bit too scary. And so we kind of tiptoe around that um, and it can make situations even more challenging. And so I think for me, that's, that's just the hardest part is, is trying to, you know, manage what everybody expects from me, from themselves, from each other, um, you know, and it's something that just you constantly have to work at. Great. Yeah. I feel like it's good that you can at least look at the situation and recognize that. So you can be conscious of it and try Mm -hmm. to like adjust to when you notice that happening. Um, So looking back more, if you could go back to dental school, would there be anything you did differently, spent more time on? 
Yeah. You know, I think about, and I, I saw that question previously and I was thinking about that. So when I was in dental school, I knew that I didn't want to specialize. I knew from um, experience I had working in a general office. And then I also had the opportunity to um, work for a semester when I was in, in college um, for an endodontist and for an orthodontist, just trying to get some feel for those specialties. And then also with an oral surgeon in the town where I grew up before I entered dental school. So I knew going into it that I wanted a general practice. I loved that feeling. And so maybe I wasn't as much of a gunner. You'll hear that term once you get in school, although you probably hear that, you know, undergrad (laughs) as well. Um, So I tried to take it in stride. And if a patient didn't show up, I'd say, okay, you know what? I need a a moment just to kind of relax. And I'd head down to Starbucks and I would do the crossword in the daily with a friend of mine. While I wouldn't change those things because that was very necessary at that point, I might've just taken a little bit more, I would've taken advantage a little bit more of the opportunity to just drop into the emergency clinic, just to run over to oral surgery and observe, just to you know maybe be a little bit more aggressive in trying to go to some of the other specialty clinics to learn skills that I didn't feel as comfortable with because I knew I didn't really have an interest in them, um, but just to you know force myself to learn those things a little bit more. So that's the one thing I probably would have just done a little bit different, not necessarily where I tried to cram my schedule, but had taken those opportunities to learn from other people, especially, you know, the staff and the professors and some of the um, graduate students. Yeah. That's one thing I've heard about Michigan is that they're very like excited to have students come in and like observe in the different Mm -hmm. clinics and stuff. So I'm excited about that too. Um, Just a few final questions here. So what's one misconception you had about being a dentist, whether it's work or practice ownership? Hmm. That I would love it every day. Um, I, I say that totally, like totally honest, you know, there are days and that I just, oh, I just, you know, you get to work and you just see the schedule or something. And I'm just like, oh, this is just going to be a doozy. And those days are hard. They're hard to push in. They're hard to get through. Then there are other days. It could be the worst day in the world. Everything's going wrong. And I see that one patient that just turns it all around. And so, you know, I think the reality is it's like anything, there's going to be those ups and downs, the the days that are amazing far outweigh the ones that don't, but there's going to be those challenges and those times. And it's completely normal to think you just want to quit and walk away. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't had those thoughts several times over the past couple months, um, just in trying to, to, you know, assimilate all the information that's coming out about this new virus and how we incorporate, you know, these things into our, 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 offices, how we make sure that we're continuing to practice safely for our patients and our teams. And so, um, you know, that I think would be the the biggest thing, you know, just know that that's totally normal. It's going to happen when you're in school. It's going to happen when you're in practice and just find the things that help relieve that for you. Whatever passion is, it's non-dental related because that's super important as well. You've got to have, you know, hobbies and things outside of, of dentistry when you're in school or when you're in practice that kind of help you keep grounded. Um, but yeah, that I think would be the, the biggest misconception. I thought I'd love every single day and, you know, it's just reality. Yeah, for sure. And so do you have any final advice or closing thoughts before we wrap up here? You know, it's, it's a great profession. I, I say that often, you know, even on my previous comments, just about the challenges we're facing right now. If you can get through the stresses of it, you realize that, None of this is is so important that it's going to derail what your dreams, right? So if you've always dreamed of becoming a dentist, these things are still going to happen. You know, um, try to try to have the very best, most positive, realistic approach you can. 
to school, to practicing, keep balance. That's the most important thing. You know, you can always work more, you can always make more money, but you have to, you know, take care of yourself. You have to take care of your families. You have to take care of your teens. And, you know, we're human. Don't put too much pressure on yourself to be perfect because there's never a day in practice that you're going to find that's going to actually happen. And I think the you know, more humility we can show and when we can be honest, when we make mistakes, whether it's with patients or with the team, you know, it, it speaks volumes. It, it goes a long way. So stay true to yourself. I know that sounds cheesy, but <laughs> you know, nothing is so important. You know, making money working is not so important that you need to sacrifice everything else for it. All right. Well, thank you for all of your great advice. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure everyone listening does. That is our entire interview with Dr. Emily. Um, I just want to thank her again for being on the podcast and again, remind you guys that we have quite the community growing 500 strong over on Instagram. It's just at dental download podcast. And I really need your help for this coming Monday's episode. So be sure to check out that page and give me some feedback that way next week's episode can be as beneficial as possible. So thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next Monday.